0: I want to say good morning once again to everyone. Good to see you. Good to have the Harlem region meeting with the Bronx region here and at Lehman College. It's always very uh, encouraging for everyone to be together. I want to talk about a subject today. As you can see, the title is Overcoming Injustice. We're going to pray together in just a moment. But I've received a number of phone calls uh, as, as well as text messages concerning uh, the uh, killings and injustices that have happened throughout our country in the last couple of years and I thought that uh, maybe we needed to address it this morning I don't come with all the answers all the solutions but I do want to help us with uh, a Christian perspective a godly perspective on these things now my temptation uh, is to move on. I had a whole nother sermon that I had planned. I'd had it in the oven for quite a while. It was a sermon on overcoming sin. It was one of the best sermons I'd ever prepared. And then this thing kept coming up, kept coming up. Uh, Zainabu called me the other day and said, uh, Sam, what do you think needs to happen? What do you think is the solution to what's happening with African-American men in America. And we were there on the phone, and and I'm like, the Spirit is moving here. And, and, and then Buddy sent me a text even last night, or maybe the night before, I don't know, about some things that he was feeling. And Cynthia and I have been talking about these things, and she's much better at this than I am. But since she can't preach, and I can, I guess the Lord has laid the burden on me. So I just thought, hey, let's talk about this for a little bit, overcoming injustice. So how do you feel about that? All right, let's pray together and then we'll, we'll, we'll give it a, give it a go here. God and father in heaven, we praise you for sending Jesus because we see in him your amazing love and grace and patience and forgiveness. And in our sinful nature, God, we sometimes have hearts that are filled with anger and rage and Frustration and disappointment and we, we just pray that you can guide us that we can look to him and that you would give us strength through your spirit to overcome uh, Father we want so much to be a light to the world and yet we know that in this flesh on this side of, of life it is a battle it is a struggle and we want to glorify you by overcoming sin, overcoming the world, and really being a light that could help impact others and help them to see you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for what you've done for us. Thank you so much for Jesus, his amazing life and example. We pray in his name. Amen. So what what do Christians say or do in times like these? Now, I've been my, asking myself that question. I've had some extended conversations with different evangelists uh, around the country. Scott Davis, Scott Kirkpatrick, brothers who are, are sensitive to these issues. And uh, and they have their own uh, battles and in their own congregations are trying to help people find a way to move forward. So here are my two points today. Here are the things that... I feel like the Spirit has led me to share with you today. Number one is know your enemy. Number two is follow your example. That example being Jesus. So we're going to talk about knowing your enemy. Because it's so easy in times like this to think that this battle is all about the government and the police force and Uh, individuals who've been mistreated whose family members have unfortunately had their lives taken away too soon and in awful circumstances but we've got to understand that there's a a greater force behind all this and that it's not a battle just of men not a battle uh, between human beings but There's a a bigger, bigger warfare that oftentimes the world doesn't see, but as disciples, we need to be aware of. We need to know who we're fighting if we're going to overcome the problem. We've got to know who our opposition really is. And if you think it's just the white man or the boss man, then you've missed the point. And that's a battle you'll never win. We've got to understand that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. But against the powers of this dark world. As Ephesians 6:10 through 12 tells us, Paul tells the disciples there in Ephesus, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And let me tell you, all this is the scheming of the devil. Because he wants to divide us, he wants us to separate us, he wants us to hate one another, he wants us to be suspicious of other people where we can't even share our faith with them because of the color of their skin. He's got a plan to get us focused not on love, not on on God's mercy, but on hatred on abuse, on, on how we've been hurt. And even though those things may be real and we're not trying to sweep them under the rug, we've got to understand there's a bigger scheme going on here. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil and to, in the heavenly realms. See, There have always been evil people in the world. And there always will be. This is nothing new. There have always been people who thought they were superior because of the color of their skin or what side of the tracks they grew up on. There have always been people who have abused authority and, and hurt innocent people. But we've got to understand that this is what Satan wants to create a world of, of animosity and bigotry and division and discord where you sit on one side of the aisle and I sit on one, the other side of the aisle and I point my finger at you and you point your finger at me and there's no solution. and No one's willing to, to cross the aisle to fix things. Or superficial solutions. And we, we've come to see that The answer to the race problem is not just to put people in the same school or to to come up with new laws that uh, say that you've got to have a certain percentage of minorities do, do this or that because the real issue is in the heart of men. The real issue is within. You'll never fix it externally. Satan knows that. So he works on our hearts. And and just because I can now live in this neighborhood doesn't mean that those people respect me or see me as an equal. He knows that. And so we've got to understand as Christians that a new law is not going to fix the problem, but the real law that can change problems is God's law that has a rule and reign in our hearts. That's the only answer. John tells us, at least through Jesus, Jesus says in John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Satan's objective is to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to destroy our families. He wants to destroy your marriage. And if he can't get you, if he can't get your husband, he'll he'll go after your children. If he can't get your children, he'll go after the community. He's behind all this. That's his objective. And he's relentless in his efforts. He never gave up on the Lord. He left them until an opportune time. He's never going to give up on you. He's never going to give up on trying to divide black and white, rich and poor. That's That's his scheme to destroy any vision of love and oneness and unity. We see it in our government, all the chaos. And and, and, and and sometimes you're like, why is this so dysfunctional? He's behind it. He's behind it. And he's behind every word that men state and every comment they make to discriminate against someone else unfairly and unjustly. It all comes from him. And unfortunately, if we're not careful, we will become his instruments. And that's what we're here to talk about today, is that the enemy is doing too good a job. And so many people are suffering as a result of it. Here in Revelation chapter 12, and I'll just start reading there in verse 10. John says, then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of God, our God and the authority of his Christ for the accuser of our brothers. And that's what Satan does. He accuses all day long. Who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death. Therefore rejoice you heavens. And you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you. He is filled with fury. Because he knows his time is short. He's angry. He's upset. And he wants to do anything he can to hurt God. And the way that he tries to hurt God is through God's children, through God's creation. He's filled with rage. Because he knows that he's going to lose in the end. Now, another scripture I meant to to refer to, let me see if I can go back here. Uh, You know, I'm trying to to work with this modern technology here, and some days it works better than other days, but we know who's behind that, right? (laughs) So let let me... uh, it, it, it's, it's not the, 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 the technical people here these brothers do a good job but here in, in, in Luke I'll just, I'll just move forward there are two times in the Bible and these are scary you, you ever read a scripture and you're going wow that's just scary it's like that's overwhelming that's, that's just frightful and here in, in, in Luke 22 and John 13, the Bible says in both occasions that Satan entered Judas. Satan entered him. And I believe that Satan has entered this situation that we're facing today. He's entered the racial discrimination business. He's entered the police force. He's in it. And he's in a lot of churches as well. Satan wants to, to enter the situation because when he enters it, it, it all turns bad. And he wants to, to enter our lives. He wants to, to enter any situation where you're trying to, to bring about unity, where you're trying to love others. He wants to come in and say, no, I'm, I, I need to get in the middle of that. And he wants us to be focused on everything except loving and helping others. So he, he's, he's entered this situation and we've got to understand that's who the real enemy is. You know, Cynthia and I, we've been married 35 years now. And I would love to tell you in those 35 years that we've never had arguments or or, or any kind of tension amongst us. But you know with, with my very uh, sensitive personality, and the humility that I know I exude to to, to the audience today—that I'm I'm easily hurt because I'm so tender-hearted. So as a result, we've had some conflicts over the years. But you you ever had a? <laughs> Why are you laughing? Do you, do you not believe what I'm saying? And you know Cynthia is one of those quiet women who really is shut down, and I can easily overwhelm. So that that just creates conflicts. <laughs> but at times, and if you if you're married, maybe you've been here, you get to a place where you go. I don't know if we can fix this. You ever been there? It's like. That was not a good exchange. And she is angry. And so am I. And I am right. And she is wrong. <laughs> and when I got married, I never thought we would end here. This this is bad. You know, I don't even know if if we're going to be able to sleep in the same bed tonight. Because this fight is intense you know I see your mama all in you right now I see all of her you ever bit you ever you ever felt that now I understand why my children are evil I mean you ever you understand when you you reach that conf- I'm just trying to, to share a few things now now this I'm sure this hasn't happened to any of you but I'm I'm just putting it out there and, and let me tell you what's gotten me through those, those times when it's like, is there an answer to this? And, and I learned this a, a long time ago, that the real enemy in our marriage is Satan. That it's not Cynthia. And my sinful nature. But it, it's not her. It's not her upbringing. It's, it's, it's the forces, as, as the Bible says. The forces of evil that are trying to converge on our marriage and, and, and break us apart and make us miserable. And that's why the divorce rate is 50% because Satan enters these marriages and people reach a point where there's irreconcilable differences. That's what they call it, irreconcilable differences. And I'm here to tell you today we've got to get the devil out of it and we've got to reconcile things and we can. We can. We can. By the power of God but not if we keep pointing the finger at someone else and not realize who our real battle is against. In 2 Corinthians 10 Paul tells he says we do not wage war as the world does as Christians and I'm not trying to get us to be naive this stuff is real it hurts people There's injustice. I'm not trying to downplay it. But what's the solution? The world has been out there trying, and this stuff has gone on for decades now. And I think because of of modern day media, we just see it more. It's always been going on. We just didn't always see it. It's not new stuff. It's just being revealed and exposed to a level that we haven't seen in a long time. But how do we win this battle? What's the answer? We can't wage war as the world does. If you want to go to a peaceful protest, I'm not going to tell you not to go. But protesting, is that the solution? I think we've seen over history that some protests have made differences. But we don't wage war as the world does. Should we sit on the sidelines and do nothing? I don't think so. I think what we first have to begin is having empathy and compassion for people who are hurting on both sides. It's easy to pray for the family in Charlotte or Tulsa that lost a loved one. But we also need to pray for the families of the police officers that committed the acts. Because both find themselves in dark places. So we've got to pray. That is one of our weapons. We should seek solutions that make a difference. I believe that. But let me just read this scripture to you because I think it will encourage you 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. You know, the world, if you hit me, I'm going to hit you back. You know, there's some scriptures that I confess are hard to put into practice. You know, turning the other cheek. That's not our nature. That's not how we do things in the Bronx and Harlem. We We don't turn the other cheek. Don't hit the cheek in the first place is what we tell people. Don't make me go back to what I used to be before I knew Jesus. I will come back to the Lord, but I might just step out for a few minutes. So we, we, we don't, we, we have to be careful, don't we? we have to, I'm just trying to keep it real. Says so the weapons we fight with are not weapons of the world, and I hope you don't have the weapons that you had when you were in the world. When you got baptized, they should have been put away don't just give them to someone else get rid of them I gave them to my cousin my evil cousin so that in case the day comes I can send him to take care of it your cousin bug out that's not the solution he says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. We've got to ask God to help our minds and hearts be set at different places. We take captive every thought. And sometimes our our thoughts and our minds can go to some bad places. And we've got to take captive every thought. Make it obedient to Christ. You know, I love what... Uh, what, what Michelle Obama keeps saying. They go low, we go high. They go low, we go high. We've got to go high. And Jesus is higher. And God is higher. That's where we've got to go in our hearts and our minds. We've got to go higher. You can't win a spiritual battle with worldly weapons. You can't do it. The battle of racial discrimination and bigotry will never be won with worldly weapons. People have been trying that forever, and we've gone nowhere. If anything, we've gone backwards. Because we should be a more intelligent people than we were 50 years ago. And we're still dealing with inhumane issues. The human heart is the real problem until men's hearts are changed, which only comes through God, we're going to keep having this problem. There will continue to be injustices in our world. Now I want to talk to you about our greatest weapon. We need to pray. We need to make sure we're in the Word of God. Am I right? The sword of the Spirit. The shield of faith. The love of Christ. We we, we need to take all the spiritual weapons that are mentioned in in Ephesians chapter 6 and all throughout the scriptures and make sure that we're using those weapons. That, that we do not repay uh, evil with evil, but we repay evil with good. That we're trying to be like Jesus. And as challenging as that may, it is, we've got to help people to understand that we have deeper convictions and a vision and a faith for something greater happening. We just don't want to come across super religious, but we want to be honest with people. And if we're hurt, we're hurt. But look, the the way I get through this is I've got to to bring out the greatest weapon, really, which I think is a secret weapon. And here it is, going the wrong way here. Our greatest weapon is our faith and trust in God. That's your greatest weapon. You can't look at things the way the world looks at things. You can't look at things just from a worldly perspective. When God is not in the picture, it's total darkness. There's no hope. If God's not in the picture. Well, we've got to bring God back in the picture. Sometimes we say, Lord, I wish you'd move faster. I wish you'd move more urgently. I wish, but he has a plan. And let me hold hold this to you. Let me share this with you. All right. The Lord will fight for us. He knows what's going on. He's not on vacation. And Moses told the, the Israelites in Deuteronomy, He says, for the Lord, your God, is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. You may not see it. You may not understand it right now, but God has a plan. And I know we want to say, come, Lord, quickly. You know, move a little faster, Lord. What's going on here? But hold on to this fact. One of God's greatest promises is found in Ecclesiastes 12. Verses 13 through 14. I need this scripture to keep me sane. And this is what it says. Now that all has been heard, here's a conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. For God will bring every deed in the judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. The battle may not even be won on this side of, of, of life, but nobody is going to get away with anything. You've got to understand that. God will bring every deed in the judgment. Anybody who's who sinned in secret or, or murdered in secret or thought, they could get away with it, they won't get away with it because one day they're going to have to face God and he will bring every deed into judgment. you got to hold on to that. You don't need to be the judge. God will be the judge. And let me tell you, it's a dreadful thing to to fall into the hands of the living God. And sometimes I see these things and I say, I want justice now! But you got to keep trusting God. Because in the end, there will be justice. Because God is a just God, and even though we think, "Well, I can't, how are they getting away with that?
1: How does that happen?"
0: Look, they won't get away. No, nope. I mean nobody really gets away with anything. Not anymore. Not ever. On the day of judgment. Everybody's going to have to give an account. And and see, that, that brings comfort to my heart because it tells me that in the end, God wins, Satan loses, and everybody who's not repented and done evil deeds are going to have to face their maker. And that's got to get you through this week and the next week because there's going to be other... I wish I could tell you we've turned a corner... The the incidences will stop. the, The injustices will stop. It won't happen. No. But you need to know that even though the government and the courts may fail, God never fails. He won't fail. God will not fail. And so we can trust in that. We can trust in that. Know your enemy. Know who you're fighting against even in your own personal life. You got to know who the real enemy is. Even in the church, you got to know who the enemy is. You feel weird stuff and and you think maybe the issue is with this person. He doesn't want us to be unified. He doesn't want us to love one another because he knows if we come together as one body committed to God, committed to one another, he can't stop us. So he wants to destroy the church. He wants to destroy America and he wants to create division. Know your enemy. Know his schemes. And then get ready every day to fight against him. To battle him. Parents, you got you to help your children with this. Because your son is going to say, Daddy, why is this happening? you got to say, look son, in the end, No one gets away with anything. I I don't like it either and I think it's wrong and I I wish that, that people in positions of power would do better, but let me tell you something. That God himself, if he has to one day, will rectify all these things. Trust God. Trust God. Second point, I don't know if that answer satisfies you, but I can't... See, my job is to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. And if, if, if we're focused on the wrong things and if these things are throwing us off course, then when you see the white man, when you stand next to him in the grocery line or, or in, in the subway, you're not going to share with that person. I'm just being, you're not, hey, I'm not sharing with him shoot he ain't open anyway and besides they're killing my people that's what Satan wants that's what Satan wants and then for for you when you're walking down the street woman sees you coming she she walks on the other side of the street hey what you doing because I heard y'all, y'all steal people's pocketbooks. That's what he wants. And we've got to understand that we've got to be above that. Because how can they be saved if we, don't, if we don't share the good news? And that's what he wants. He wants us to focus on this and not believe that there are people out there open to coming to the Lord. And and so know your enemy. Secondly, and I'll wrap this up, follow your example. Our example is not the world. Our examples are are not those who retaliate and promote violence. That's that's not the example that we're to follow. Now, I appreciate the the scripture that Gene read this morning, and I think it's the Spirit of God, because I didn't know he was going to read that scripture for communion, 1 Peter chapter 2. But here it is. And here again, I will confess, some scriptures are harder to obey than others. You know what I'm saying? There's some scriptures that are very, very challenging. I'm sure with the women, aren't there some scriptures you read in the Bible and you go, Paul wasn't even married. Why would he say that? Why submit to your husband? You didn't even have a wife. Why are you, why you going to get in the, in the matter at all? But you can ask him about that when you get to heaven. I'm assuming you're going to get to heaven. Or that there are other scriptures, uh, and I'm going to share one with the Bible talk leaders. Remember, we do have a Bible talk leaders meeting out at the church today, so I want to remind you guys of that. And Paris will remind you again at the end of the service. And I'm going to share another challenging scripture with you. But this is one of the scriptures that's challenging for me. In in verse 21, he says, 1 Peter 2, to this you recall, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. I like the first part of that scripture. That Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. But this is the part that I don't like. That you should follow in his steps. Uh, Excuse me following his steps. I'll examine his steps. I'll praise him for his steps. I'll even encourage you to follow his steps. But he he says he committed no sin. I can't say that. No deceit was found in his mouth. I can't say that. When they hurled the insults at him, he did not retaliate. I can't say that either. When he suffered, he made no threats. I can't say that. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins and his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you've been, you've been healed. In other words, Jesus went through more than any of us have ever gone through, ever will go through. He set such a high bar. He suffered more than any of us will ever suffer, and he didn't deserve it. He suffered unjustly. People spit on him. People mocked him. I mean, he was brutalized. He was lied on. He was discriminated against. He suffered for the wrongs of others. They weren't even his wrongs. And yet, he never retaliate. Help me. You're not going to retaliate? When somebody spits on you, you, you're not, you're going, as the spit is running down your face, you're just going to, help me. What you do if somebody come up and spit on you, especially if a white person come up and spit in your face, what you're going to do? I don't even want to, I don't even want to think about it. I'm just trying to be honest. What did Jesus do? Help me, Lord Jesus. He set an example. People slapped him. People slapped him. You know, when somebody slaps you, it's it's, it's not even that it hurts. It's like it's just insulting. You're going to slap me? I mean, I don't agree with what Ray Rice did in that elevator. I don't agree, but she slapped him. And he went off. I mean, God, let's pray for him, all right? But she slapped that man. He lost his mind. He lost his mind. Somebody come up and slap you? I know, I know we think, well, I'm, I'm a great Christian. I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> really? Really? somebody slap you? Some of us, if someone even says a harsh word to us, we, we, I, we bow our backs. We give them the evil eye. You say, what? Don't even look at me wrong. Ow. Ow. You're going to do what? <laughs> he never gave in the anger or bitterness. Christ suffered for you, Sam. The rest of us. Leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. We're Christians. We're not of the world. We're Christians. Our example is who? Our example is who? So we follow who? Jesus. This is what it means to follow Jesus. And he says he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He entrusted himself to the Father. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. This is hard for me. This is difficult for me. But I trust you. I'm confiding in you. I'm holding on you. All my friends have deserted me, but you. I'm looking to you. And even the Father had to turn his back on him. See, these things affect people in different ways. Some of us are sad. Some of us are mad. Some of us are still trying to figure out what we feel. Some of us, we don't understand why other people don't feel the way that we feel. But we've got to look to Jesus. Because he does understand. He's been there. That's why we're here this morning. That's why we're a church. It's because of Jesus. And we've got to look to him. And That's why I need to hold on to this scripture. And, and, and do what Jesus would do when I find myself in situations that are provoking my anger and my frustration. Look what, look what Jesus said in Luke 22, verse 34, as he's hanging on the cross. Y'all help me out with this. What did he say, church? He said what? Help me out. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Let's say it again. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. Wow. While you're on the cross, while you're on the edge of death, this is what you come up with? give them? This is our example. This is what we're called to. You see, Jesus had a goal. His goal was to change the world by his example. If everybody put this into practice, we would have peace. We would. Jesus was thinking about The answer for generations to come. The solution for generations to come. Because his world was chaotic too. And I I love the way Jesus dealt with things. He's our example in suffering. When he suffered, he didn't curse it. He didn't wish it on someone else. He didn't blame anybody else. He didn't nurse it. He didn't just feed on it. He didn't rehearse it. He didn't repeat it to everybody else. He dispersed it. He gave it to the Father. And then in the end, he let God reverse it. And that's why every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's why that will happen. It wasn't easy. He kept his eye on eternal things. And let me tell you something. He had his eyes on us. Why did he go through it all? Why why did he endure it all? Because he was thinking about you and me. He was thinking about the motivation and the conviction that we would need when we would go through trial. When we would face impossible circumstances. When we would not know where to turn or what to do. Jesus wanted us to be able to say, you can look to me. Look to me. I've been there. I've been tempted in every way just as you've been tempted, and I never crossed the line. I never gave in to sin. Look to me. Hang in there. Do what's right. And at the end of your journey, I'll be there waiting for you to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You just keep doing what's right. Follow my example. Not a popular message. But that's what it means when you say Jesus is Lord. He's my God and my Savior. Like I said, Jesus doesn't ask us not to feel things. But what he does ask us is to not let the things we feel decide what we do. But to look to him and remember that he's already been there. And if we follow his example, we can make it through anything. Now, we're going to need help. We're going to have to help one another. There are going to be some days when you need a little encouragement. You know what I'm talking about? And someone's going to have to tell you, remember Jesus. Because, you know, you, sometimes you can forget about Jesus. It's like when all this is going on, nobody, it's like someone call you up, bro, remember Jesus. I don't want to remember Jesus right now. That's probably when you need to remember most. As we come to a close here, let's look at this scripture, the message version. It says, friends, when life gets really difficult, don't jump to to the conclusion that God isn't on the job. Instead, be glad you are in the very thick of what Christ experienced. This is a spiritual refining process with glory just You know, when last year, when this man went into a church in Charleston, South Carolina, killed nine people. They were having a press service. I was as low as you can go right there. And I just couldn't believe it when they had the the court hearing, members from that church went to the hearing and the judge gave them an opportunity to speak. And many of them just said, I forgive you. I will never be able to hold the loved one that you took from me. I will never see them again on this side of heaven but I forgive you. And I'm like, that's amazing. That's amazing. I mean, it's like, how do you do that? Well, the way you do that is you follow your example. And your example is Jesus. He never promised us there would be no injustices. He never promised us that life would be easy. But what he did promise us is, if you look to me, that if you you bring it all to me, all your burdens, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you rest. I will help you get through it. And that doesn't mean that you close your eyes to the realities in front of you. But what's the solution? How do you overcome? Know your enemy. Follow your example. We shall overcome. God bless.
1: Amen. Let's thank our brother Sam for tackling a tough topic. I know, um, when he shared, you know, how we, oh, you got part two? (laughs) go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Part two. You want me to stand with you? Yeah, I want you to stand. I'll be right right here. here. I'm not done. I got you. Let's do this.
0: Paris and I are going to pray right now. All right. So, I'll pray first then we'll let the more spiritual person play <laughs> Let's pray together. Our God and Father in Heaven, we ask that you comfort all the families that have unjustly lost loved ones, who've been victims of discrimination and abuse. God, who for inexplicable reasons had lives snuffed out before their time. Father, we know that the enemy and the agent of all this chaos and, and evil is Satan himself. And we ask, Father, that you, you, you we, we just have victory over him, that you overcome him, God. We pray for those who have inflicted injustices upon others and for, uh, for their family members and for people who are trying to guide and lead them. We pray for justice, God. We pray that you would expose the truth, and we pray, Father, in the end that there could be peace in our world. Father, help us as your children to be a light in these dark times. Help the church to stand out, not because we naively sweep things under the rug, but God, because we look to you, because we, we fight the good fight, because we Take the weapons that you've given us to forge ahead and to build a, an organism that can be a light, that can be an example, that can help people to find inner peace. And Father, that can lead them to you into eternity. Father, our time on this earth is so short. Help us not to waste it. Help us not to get caught up in civilian affairs but father to to see that the only thing that will matter in the end is who's lost and who's saved guide us dear lord help us each and every day to look to Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith we praise you for him and we pray that his strength and his conviction could be in our hearts we pray especially for the minority brothers the brothers of color father that we can can be strong in the lord that we can show the world what it means to be a true man of god and that our convictions would be deep and solid and that we would be uncompromising in the stands that we take always looking to you always believing that you as our god will vindicate that you ultimately will be the judge We need you, God. We're weak at times. We pray you'd strengthen us. We ask it all in Jesus' name.
1: Dear Father, we come to you. We also pray for those in uniform, for our police officers, for our government. Uh, They have a tough job ahead of them, Father. They they come, they protect us, they sacrifice their lives for us. when we're in trouble, the first person we call is 911. We call the police because we have faith, we have trust that they're here to serve and protect, and they sacrifice their lives to do that. We pray, God, for them, for their families, for their sacrifice. We pray that you help them to live up to their creed to serve and protect. We pray that we we as a community could rally behind and and to help bridge this gap that Satan is causing between uh, people and and the the law enforcement. Mm. God, I pray that we could just come to truth. Truth that ultimately we need each other. Mm. This isn't about one versus the other that we live together, we coexist best when we are united, Mm. when there's respect, and when there's love. And there's understanding. We pray for those things right now, God. It's hard to do that sometimes during these times, God. But this is when you call for it the most. Christ asks for forgiveness on the cross, not after the fact. We need to have that mindset of unity, peace, trust, respect right now. We thank you so much for what they do and what they their sacrifices we thank you so much for our brothers and sisters who who are disciples and christians who who wear the uniform and 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 go out there and and are trying to live out this example god we have to understand that not everyone is a criminal whether they're in a uniform or whether they're in darker colored skin we pray that we can help see through all the things that are causing division and be able to acknowledge who you are. God, we thank you so much for this time. Pray for our church. Pray that that we could be a light. This is the time when the church needs to stand up most and not get caught up in everything else, but to shine their light bright. We thank you and we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.